Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning, and it's Tuesday morning for Rochester Today. That means Tom's with us today. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Andrew. Good to see you again. You too. So I guess we'll start out with a mailbag. What's going on? Okay, Gary Varville, political cartoonist. <laughs> it shows President Xi at his desk, and there's a box on top of his desk, and it says Biden box, classified. And, and President Xi is saying, hello, U.S. National Archives, guess what I found? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there is speculation, some of Biden's... Uh, laptop emails are phrased in such a way that it looks like he sent classified information to the Ukraine because it's because his emails are phrased in that kind of language so uh, we'll see oh. what happens to them and that you're saying Hunter Biden sent them what did I say no you just said Biden I just want to make yeah, sure Hunter, which Biden thank, thank okay. you for the clarification yeah um, this from Phil uh, uh, he said that uh, the Speaker of the House, Pelosi, had absolute control of the House, dictatorial control. Pelosi would not allow amendments, uh, encouraged uh, earmarks, and forced members to vote on massive bills they didn't even have time to read. Chuck Schumer operated the same way in the Senate. I remember Pelosi sitting behind President Trump and ripping up his State of the Union speech. Uh, that was her attitude. The Congress has passed several multi-trillion dollar spending bills resulting in massive inflation. And uh, now the conservatives are in charge of the House, but the Biden bill has uh, limited them. And uh, the Senate passed $4,000, or pardon me, 4,000 page spending bill to increase inflation. And uh, we don't have sufficient funds to cover this spending. And the bill locked in deficit spending. Biden threatened to veto to attempts to change it or reverse it, and that crippled the new Republican Congress. And uh, no debates uh, on, on spending uh, or anything else. That's what's going on uh, in Congress, thanks to Biden. Well, to be honest, though, the, the Republicans haven't put the spending issue high on their agenda either until now uh with that was it called the freedom caucus members yeah. of that are budget hawks apparently and are pushing that agenda which it's about time it is getting pushed that's for sure i think the latest number i saw was that we are spending 400 billion dollars per year on the interest on the debt that's a 400 billion dollar payment without touching the principal at all yeah. it's just to pay the interest and as interest rates high rise that number will get higher and eat up an even larger amount of what's left of discretionary spending for our u.s government it's it's about time they're paying attention to it this is outrageous what's going on it is and then uh, KLS and Rose and I were going back and forth on Republican strategies and 
KLS is like me. She thinks that the Republicans should be nasty and aggressive against Democrats uh, uh, in kind, uh, limit them. Uh, she said, look at the uh, the police uh, beating that uh, poor guy in Memphis. I wonder if uh, the victim had been white, if they'd be covering it so much. And then uh, KLS says, uh, according to Alpha News, uh, 13 Catholic Democrat members of the Minnesota legislature voted for the abortion bill. Um, Protestant denominations uh, are doing that too, but doesn't the Catholic Church uh, uh, have have strict rules on this? Have they changed their rules? And then uh, Karen knows how nasty Pelosi was and she calls her nasty Pelosi instead of Nancy. And then the turn the other cheek in the Bible, uh, KLS said, is counterproductive dealing with Democrats. And and she points out that rhino women even want to keep uh, Representative Omar on the foreign policy committee, that that the the Republicans just can't play tough, united uh, ball. And and it's uh, it's counterproductive. And she thinks they should be tougher. So do I. People like Jordan and others will be tough, but so many Republicans just want to be liked. They're just afraid to, of, of bad media. But um, but Rose disagrees with us. She says, why don't we just follow the law? We don't need to get even. We need to get this country back to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Uh, and uh, conservatives in the news have begun to make inroads. Uh, Elon Musk has and getting conservative viewpoints out. Donald Trump's message is always to MAGA. But uh, I would remind Rose, Donald Trump was, Trump was tough. That's why he was hated. He was crude, but he was tough and it worked. Um, the other Republicans aren't that way. But Rose said the big names in the Democrat Party are falling by the wayside. Waters, Pelosi and Schiff. I don't want to become like them. And that's a good point. That's Rose is a very devout person and a kind person. She doesn't like the toughness, but Karen and I think it has to be because the, the Democrats control the Senate and uh, they're not they're not going to be cooperative. Okay, but Tom, I would argue there's a difference between toughness and nastiness. You can have backbone. You can stand by your principles and try to gain the most from your position without being a nasty person. Yeah, well, Karen and I, I like... there's a difference. Well, Karen and I like nasty. And, <laughs> uh, and here's the thing. Uh, you got Schiff being kicked off the uh, in, Intelligence Committee by Republicans in the House, so now he wants to run for the Senate to get on the Senate Democrat-controlled Intelligence Committee. Uh, and that's and you got Omar being kicked off the foreign policy committee, but some rhino women want her on those committees, uh, that and other committees. So uh, they they just aren't tough. I think they have to retaliate and against the media and against the Democrats. And uh, Karen and I prefer uh, the Jordan technique, uh, and uh, Rose prefers a, a gentle approach like I think you do, Andy. We'll, well see what, what is, what is uh, for, for what is the Jordan technique? I, I don't know what that is. Aggressive, aggressive. He's well, gonna, see, but that's not he, nasty. He's Being aggressive. People, he's accused Shift of lying uh, and, uh, and, and thinks that he, that he should be subpoenaed. Retaliation and punishment and backing them off 
uh, are the uh, alternatives to just uh, okay with rhinos who who want Omar on the on these committees. You know, okay. I, I, I think you and I are not in that much of a disagreement. When yeah. I when I think of nasty, I think some of the speeches that were given by Donald Trump were nasty, mm-hmm. filled with name calling and um, personal attacks. Yeah, uh, I guess when you call Schiff uh, a liar, that is a personal attack. But there is there's some evidence to back up the accusation there. It's not just um, in, in, in kicking them off of the committees. I whatever. But, but, but threats know. now. Now, like Carrie Lake in Arizona, she's challenging the election results and has evidence of uh, uh, of, of misplaced uh, doctored ballots and everything. And so the new attorney general and, and the new governor want to prosecute her for doing that, saying she's intimidating officials and she's depriving people of the right to vote. They're trying to prosecute her for questioning that election. That That's how Democrats play, censor and punish. And uh, I think Karen and I want some retaliation and uh, you and Rose are more diplomatic, hoping things change. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then Trump was tough, but it worked. He was successful. Yeah, but I don't, I see, okay, you can argue tough, but at the same time, I'm going to bring up that nasty business. And I yeah. think that's a lot of the reason that Donald Trump was not reelected is that you had independents who went, I don't want to be part of this anymore because well, of the Democrats nastiness re- of it. It's, it's not toughness. Democrats rebel against the Democrat leaders that, that say such vicious things and accusations. It's a great question. It's a great question, Tom, and I don't have an answer to that one. But I do, I do think if you look at elections and who votes and doesn't vote in elections, I think that you're going to find out that there are Democrats who stay home and don't vote in those elections. Maybe they don't voice an opposition to the nastiness, but they don't participate. Yeah. And I, th- I think the same thing on the Republican side. I think there was a bunch of people who voted for Trump the previous time uh, in 2016 who stayed home in 2020 because they were uncomfortable with the nastiness. Well, I think Not you're the toughness, right. the nastiness. I think you're right, but you know, it's interesting. The polls show that Republicans want Trump to run again, and he's more popular than DeSantis uh, and, and the Virginia governor, because I think Republicans see what's happening and think, doggone it, we got to be tougher. But, uh, but the arguments are as you state them and as I state them, and we'll see what happens. And I'm going to go one more thing. But yeah, I, I can believe the Republicans would want Trump back. I don't have any trouble believing that. But that doesn't cover the independents who end up deciding the election. That's who you've got to but look at. If enough at. people are hurt by the Democrat policies, state and national, uh, people might go with the toughness. Because uh, Trump's policies were successful in his toughness mellowed out China and North Korea and uh, even Iran. But uh, um, Netanyahu is the same way, but uh, but more sophisticated about it. <laughs> so, but but, but yeah. Tom, then again, I, I don't think those independents are upset with Trump for being tough. It was the meanness, the nastiness factor. Yep, the, that goes with the toughness. No, nah, I don't think it has to. I disagree with you. I think you can be tough without getting that far down into the ditches. But the Democrats... Uh, 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 prosecute Republicans who disagree with them. They ban them. They censor them. Yes. They insult them. They call them racists. Democrats are very successful with that, Andy. And it turns off independent voters when they do that too. You're already starting to see well, the backlash from that. Well, then they can't vote that. either side, I guess. 
Well, that's you. You, I think you just hit the nail on the head, Tom. I'll I think it. there's a lot of frustration out there amongst people in this country that they don't like either side in this fight. They're not appreciating this at all, and they're voting for one side or the other because one might be less distasteful well, to them than the mellow, other side, and they wish for something better. How do you mellow out people who won't compromise and who prosecute you if you disagree and and uh, uh, and insult and you vote them out? You vote them out of power. Well, Republicans can't vote Democrats out of power. Independents can. Well, independents. And if you and if you all you spend all your time turning off independents who will actually decide the election one way or the other, you're going to lose. You got to find a way to get and them you on don't your fight side. Back, you're going to lose. And if you don't fight election <laughs> fraud, you're going to lose. You know. <laughs> You, you're making good points. And we have to take a break. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, so do you. And that's why the uh, arguments will go on and we'll see what happens down the road. Before we take the break, was that it for the mailbag? Yeah. Thank that you. was a good mailbag. Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. We'll take the break. We will return. Tom Ostrom's here. It's Rochester Today. News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Hi, I'm Albert, a UCARE Medicare degree with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back. Rochester today. Tom Ostrom's here. Andy Brownell. Tom, what do you want to cover with Minnesota and local news? Representative Ilhan Omar is angry that uh, Speaker McCarthy in the Congress uh, has uh, uh, expelled her from the African subcommittee. Um, and uh, which is foreign policy, uh, saying her anti-Semitism is outrageous and uh, uh, her uh, extremist polo- political philosophies are. And uh, she's angry that she's been booted from the committee and she's calling McCarthy racist, xenophobic uh, for doing it. And uh, and I, I wish someone would say, well, did you say that when Nancy Pelosi booted Republicans off the January 6th committee? Um, but Omar has upset colleagues and uh, uh, her anti-Semitic remarks included, why does the U.S. support Israel? She once said, it's about the Benjamins, baby, which means dollars, Ben Franklin's uh, picture on them. And McCarthy has criticized her for her statements and her um and, and, and as i said before um two republican women want her on that committee and another committee representative shift of california has been booted off intelligence committee eric swalwell uh too off a committee uh, he's the one that was involved with the china spy in a literal affair so uh, mccarthy's uh, cracking down and uh, revenge punishments, Andrew. And uh, with Omar, you know, you, you know, what is it? You live by the sword, you die by the sword. Is that the good analogy? That um, I guess that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she put herself into the forefront, and she enjoyed um, fundraising um, benefits. Uh, many of her constituents cheered her on with some of her more outrageous statements, and now they've come back to haunt her, and she happens to find herself in the fray. I mean, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was clear that there was going to be retribution for what Nancy Pelosi did with the January 6th committee. 
her own statements in the public probably didn't help keep her off that list. It probably put her on the list. Mm-hmm. So be it. Right. Governor Waltz, a $3.3 billion infrastructure package would use uh, borrowing and cash to finance improvements uh, and uh, selling of bonds. And the money will go to roads, bridges, infrastructure like that, water systems, housing, the bonding bill is what it's called. And uh, the infrastructure uh, plan, Republicans uh, are saying there's too much spending here. It's counterproductive. Walt says it has to be done. And uh, Republicans say it'll be a huge debt to future taxpayers on top of the tax increases he wants. But Waltz also wants to distribute some of the largesse to uh, to voters. Uh, that will have to be decided. Uh, but uh, it's the infrastructure package and includes and the, uh, affordable housing and uh, libraries, fire stations, uh, everything else. They did not have a bonding bill the previous session, which was what is usually the bonding session. They usually do a bonding bill every other year, but who knows? That's just tradition. Um, the $1.4 billion number is probably a little bit higher than what the Republicans want as far as the bonding part of it, but it's kind of in the range. So I don't, I, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but the interesting part of the bill is he wants to use $900 million from the budget surplus for infrastructure projects so the twist on that time is you need a supermajority in the legislature to borrow money. So the Republicans actually have a say in this argument at St. Paul because they're going to have to win over some Republicans to approve this infrastructure package. But that $900 million that they're going to spend, proposed to be spent out of the budget surplus, that can pass on a simple majority vote because it's not borrowing. So... Mm-hmm. Republicans have very limited power in this situation. <laughs> yes, they do. And Republicans are angry at Biden's mining ban uh, that affects Northeast Minnesota. They say that the minerals are important for employment uh, and infrastructure. And the Biden administration announced a 20-year moratorium on mining up in our Northeast Minnesota. And Secretary of the Interior, Deb Haaland, signed, uh, signed the order. Republicans are furious and they say that uh, uh, they will react to it uh, politically. I don't know what they can do about it. But uh, one Republican said this here, we got the Biden administration investing taxpayer dollars in Chinese owned mines in nations that employ slave labor while blocking the development of taconite, copper, nickel, cobalt, platinum elements and other minerals here in America. And uh, they, they, they want to fight back. I don't know how they'll do it. Well, but in the long term, it probably strengthens the Republicans' hand, uh, hand in northeastern Minnesota because this is going to cost a lot of jobs. This is 20 years. And in, there was, uh, you know, this is the Ely area where any mining job is considered very valuable. And the push from the Biden administration is that this is all to protect the BWCA for tourism. And that will be the economic driver in northern Minnesota. Well, <laughs> the the laid off mine worker still has a vote. So we'll see how that plays out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then 
the Minnesota House passed legislation uh, that would require the state's electricity grid to be 100% carbon free in 17 years. And Republicans say that's unrealistic. And in our cold climate, uh, uh, there could be power failures, electricity failures. Uh, uh, so uh, this this excessive uh, clean objective. And then the, the, the copper nickel cobalt uh, is up in this area. And, and instead of investing in those resources, Republicans say, we are exporting around the world or uh, in areas where carbon emissions are much greater. And uh, we don't want blackouts here in Minnesota, unsafe and dangerous in our climate, especially in the winter. And so uh, and then the Republicans say, why don't we resurrect nuclear power? And we're, we're not really going to do it with hydropower and, and we're not going to do it with natural gas. They don't like that or clean coal. They don't like that. So the DFL and the Republicans are a little bit different in their objectives on the on the environment. Nothing new there. Significantly, though, um, not reported a lot, but the Minnesota Court of Appeals upheld the new clean car rules proposed by the Walls administration this week, which means the only thing that could derail the regulatory authority of the Walls administration over these emission standards for new cars would be the state Supreme Court. So we'll see if they take it up. But basically, the Walls administration is adopting the California rules um, and then requiring auto manufacturers to greatly increase the number of electric and other zero emission vehicles they deliver to the state of Minnesota, which will change the marketplace. It'll make it more difficult for you or I, if you want to buy an internal combustion engine vehicle, uh, to get one because the inventory will not be as abundant because there'll be more of these electric vehicles on the lot, even if the electrical vehicles are not in that high of demand yet. So we'll, we'll see. It's interesting to see how this plays out on a legal front, but so far the op- opponents to it have not, uh, they lost their first major battle and uh, the Walls administration has been given permission to, pr- to pursue this at this point. Well, these electric car batteries are so dangerous. I read where a electric car, Telsa, um, Elon Musk's car, erupted in flames on a freeway and the fire department had to use thousands of gallons of water yeah. to douse the fire. Well, and you, I learned in firefighting school in the Coast Guard, you. You can't put water on electric fires and be very except uh, successful because it just spreads the the flames out. You got to have foam. You got to have other things. But those uh, electric uh, cars are are risky. In some ways, they are. Um, then they still account for a very small fraction of the vehicles on the road. Uh, I know that there are some, you know, advice. People are advised not to park them inside garages sometimes because of the various <laughs> reasons. But there have been other vehicles with that same problem. We have to run, though. We have to take a break for news Okay. Um, before we get into the weeds on that one. We'll take a break. Come back after the news break with more. Tom Ostrom, it's Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. I'm Martin Hoke, the inventor of Navage Nasal Care. Today, Tom's here, continuing on. What's the next topic? 
the art of the deal, Trump's book, um, he certainly was not uh, superior in picking advisors. So many of his advisors turned on him, were uncooperative, uh, resistant to him, blocked him. Uh, and among them, Fauci uh, on the COVID issue and Deborah Burks, Dr. Be- Degra- Deborah Burks, who was a U.S. Uh, military officer in the health service and then uh, uh, and she has written a book and according to red state she admits in the book and she has orally on talk shows that she purposely lied about the covid vaccines to manipulate the american people into taking them remember dr burks she was the scarf doctor she wore those uh, beautiful scarves when she'd meet the press. But another example of how Trump's uh, advisors uh, challenged him and deceived him uh, and lied about things to get their agenda passed. I don't know why she's not legally culpable when she admits lying. She was an official that gave, and again, the experts that Eisenhower warned us about for their agenda and their funding uh, can't necessarily be trusted to be scientific. Uh, science has gotten very political. But she said, I didn't support what I was told to do. And we challenged the instructions openly and transparently. And uh, But people say, okay, then you're responsible for people who died in hospitals and the businesses that were driven into bankruptcy and everything else with you and Fauci with the lockdowns and rules and lies about the vaccine and masks and uh, there should be repercussions, but she's openly saying, she said, I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection. We overplayed the vaccines, uh, but she has no remorse, Andy. She doesn't seem to be afraid of repercussions for what she's admis- admitting, but that's outrageous for an official uh, to, to do it, let alone admit it. And uh, what... <laughs> It's probably counterproductive for them to do it. That's what really upsets me about a lot of this. Once again, you know the the uh, the realm of the expert, the the uh, the bureaucrat who has expertise, who the regulator, whatever you want to call it. Um, how about some honesty with the American public? How about you? Whatever your campaign, they come out from the very beginning and said, "Look, this is a new technology." We we believe it to be safe for the vast majority of people, but we can't guarantee that because it's a new technology. Uh, we think it'll be beneficial for most people. Maybe it won't prevent you from getting the sickness, but our evidence shows that if you do get it, you probably won't get it anywhere near as severe as you would have if you had not had the vaccine, which is essentially the way they present the flu vaccine. Yeah, the flu yeah. vaccine is nowhere near 100% effective. Most years, it's barely 60% or 50% effective. But if you get the flu shot and you get influenza, the odds are in your favor that you won't get it as severely as you would have if you had not had the shot. Why yeah. not just be honest with us? Right. And it, but it gets it gets back to what we talked about earlier. The Democrats have a propensity for censorship and coercion and punishment and censorship and deception to get their way because they like coercion and they like control. And with that totalitarian attitude, how do you fight it? Uh, 
uh, maybe by reason and getting these independents uh, on our side, but uh, <laughs> they have to have an attitude, Andy, that, uh, that they could even admit this. And I think Fauci's up to his neck and things like that, too. Uh, things well, he covered up, things he changed his mind on. Expert well, Eisenhower uh, warned us about them in his, 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 uh, in his farewell address, their attitudes, their agendas, the people, uh, the elitists who, who think they know more than everybody else. Which the Beltway is full of, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> on, on this topic, um, a federal court has overturned the California law that affected the docs, where the doctors were could be punished if they spread misinformation business that was mm-hmm. signed into law by Governor Gavin out there in California. Federal court said, you don't. Get out of here. <laughs> this is a clear violation of First Amendment rights. Uh, it's constitutionally vague. It has, you know, it mentions that uh, messages outside of the or widely held scientific consensus, consensus and, and right away said, number one, especially when it comes to COVID, the, the consensus was moving every other week based upon what research came out that given week. Mm-hmm. And so how could you ever establish a consensus in that? And then also, who decides what the scientific consensus is? That's not spelled out anywhere in your legislation. Where is the doctor supposed to go? Uh, I'm thinking about telling my patient this, and it runs a little bit counter to what the governor says or the president says. Can I go to a, some governmental agency and find out if I'm overstepping my bounds? If you did that, that would clearly be unconstitutional. Okay. If you set up a government bureau that decided what kind of speech was acceptable or not. So, yeah, the, the courts have already taken action on that, Tom. That's right. That's right. And then there was money, too, Pfizer and others. Uh, how many of these uh, advocates uh, were enriched by contributions from the drug industry that had a cash cow going there uh, well the backfire the backfire uh on this is clear already because uh pfizer and the u.s government spent a ton of money rolling out the latest round of vaccines the biovent i think it's called um the one it takes that addresses omicron and the percentage of Americans who receive this shot, I believe, is less, still way less than 20%. Mm. So they're advertising the heck out of it, but mm-hmm. it isn't really having much of an impact. So, so all of the early strategies of the federal government uh, apparently were ineffective and uh, are still harming the issue today because people, right now, you're right, people are very mistrustful. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, Banks uh, raise a red flag and tip off the Treasury Department uh, when uh, uh, irregular, excessive spending occurs. And uh, they did on Hunter Biden's uh, business dealings uh, and his bank records, and they tipped off the Treasury Department of things that might be amiss. And so now the Republicans want those bank records. Well, it seemed the Trump family always had their finances questioned and hearings about it and documents released. But the U.S. Treasury uh, and uh, Trump's faithful Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen 
are refusing the Republican request for Hunter Biden bank records uh, in these areas where the banks sent out warning signals about excessive spending and questionable contacts. <coughs> they just won't uh, release things. Department of Justice is not uh, allowing the Republicans to get documents that they're after too. <coughs> so I guess, excuse me, the uh, investigations of Democrats m won't be complete until uh, Republicans get control of the Senate and the White House. Well, they can issue subpoenas, and if the subpoenas are denied, they can take the subpoenas to the courts and ask the courts to enforce the subpoenas. Yeah, that's a, that's another escalation of the conflict, but they still have that option. Right. Lawsuits seeking to force Christian universities to conform to LGBT sanctioned ideology thrown out by a federal judge. Uh, the U.S. Education Department was sued by LGBT advocacy groups to force Christian schools to adhere to the uh, precepts, you know, of the gay transsexual rights activist movement. And they wanted to bar students from using tuition grants and all that and financial assistance at colleges uh, uh, that weren't cooperating, but they failed. The Clinton-nominated judge, Ann Aiken, of the U.S. District Court of the District of Oregon ruled in January in favor of the Christian colleges against the plaintiffs. Huh? She was a Democrat. You said, Andy, uh, that you thought that these suits would happen. Yeah, it takes time. It takes a lot of time. Anything else you want to cover before our break? Well, three Wisconsin school boards are battling uh, wokeism, too, and uh, they banned pronoun name changes without parental consent. And uh, these were in the school systems of Muskego, Waukesha, and Arrowhead. And so, um, it, and, uh, and one father said, uh, you know, these parents are, are going after school boards and they're getting elected to school boards and they're trying to put a stop to some of these excesses. And one father said, I'm alerted if my child is marked absent. I'm alerted if they're going on a field trip. I have to sign things. But these, uh, uh, these other uh, detailed gender issues are kept from us. But some school boards are, uh, are enhancing parental rights and, and more transparency. It's become, as you obviously it was an issue that was coming to the forefront during the last election. And I don't see it going away. You have um, some of the larger school systems in this country adopting policies that um, more or less put it into writing that if a child within the classroom wants to use a different pronoun or different name, that the teacher is supposed to conceal that from the parent. <laughs> and if you don't think you're going to get a backlash from the parents, well, it also goes back to the fundamental question. I mean, I know that there are abusive parents out there. I, I read police reports that are so horrendous you would not believe. So there is obviously situations where the state needs to get involved in the care for these children. The question is, is this one of them? And are you going to rely on a teacher who has this young person for eight to nine months out of the year for one year 
to guide them through whatever difficulty they're facing that is causing a confusion or uh, issue in their life over the parent Mm -hmm. or a representative chosen by the parent to help work with the child. Um, I think most people would say, I think that the parents would be in a much better situation and place to help their child weather whatever storm they're going through. But these policies are clearly saying that's not the case, that it is, no, it's Mm -hmm. this education professional who happened to have this kid fall in their class for this period of time. Right. And and most of these uh, advocates uh, are Democrats and the unions are Democratic. And again, Andy, it's another example of how Democrats uh, favor coercion and censorship uh, to advance their agendas. They're totalitarian. I think you've used that word three times today, Tom. What? Totalitarian. Totalitarian. Yeah. Oh, good. (laughs) The good word. (laughs) We'll take our break, okay? Back in a moment with Rochester Today, News Talk 1340, KROC AM, and 96.9 FM. Hear ye, hear ye. Thanks for... With Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM, and 96.9 FM. Good morning, everyone. Uh, more Rochester Today, unfortunately. We're down to our last few minutes, Tom. Okay. Um, we always talk about international affairs, and of course... The war in Ukraine continues to dominate international affairs. Ukraine wants F-16 fighter jets. Some people think that could expand the horizon of conflict and maybe even get it into a NATO country. Uh, they are getting tanks from the U.S. and Germany. Um, and retired U.S. Army Colonel Doug McGregor said they're not trained to use these sophisticated tanks. They got thousands of tra- tanks already. Uh, and uh, the more complex the war gets, the more danger it will spread. And Russia has already warned of consequences. Ukraine deploys these anti-tank weapons that that also spill out uranium. Uh, they're associated with the weaponry. And Russia said if the, you, uh, uranium uh, uh, poisoning occurs, we'll have to take that into consideration. But you know what Putin's going to do? He's trying to purchase the U.S. weapons that Biden left behind in Afghanistan uh, from the nations that acquired that. And uh, so uh, will Ukrainians be killed by, uh, you know, U.S. weapons, you know. But uh, Colonel Doug McGregor says the Ukraine-Russia war uh, is more difficult and Russia is having more victories than the Western media covers in that sense. The rush is more successful on the battlefield than Western leaders uh, claim. So, again, he's persona non grata on most TV networks. He's been on Fox. But, uh, again, the complexity of that war. And Donald Trump says there should be negotiations for peace, and I'm willing to get into that. Russia is paying a huge price for this, whatever gains that they are making. They're not decisive gains, but you're right. They have... Uh, especially to the south, they have made some advances. But whether or not it will hold, I, there's some one school of thought is that the Russians are trying to poke through the Ukrainian lines as much as they can because they know these tanks are coming and these tanks will alter the battlefield significantly because of their sophistication and range and all of the you know the high-tech advances that are included in these machines. But um, the... One report was that 
850 Russian soldiers died in one day of battles along one of these fronts where they're trying to advance Ukraine forces. And while they, you know, so they are advancing, but that that rate of that number of casualties, I, I can't imagine could be sustained for any length of time. I mean, that, that, that is so horrific to hear that number. It's unbelievable. It is. But I don't recall reading much about the Ukrainian casualties. No, they're high as well. I haven't seen a number attached to them, but I know that Zelensky is talking about pulling up conscripts um, to bolster their forces because, yeah, they're paying. You're talking about heavy artillery exchanges on both sides into fortified uh, locations. And, yeah, I mean, I just imagine it's impossible to avoid high numbers of deaths. If you're going to fortify those positions with people and you're going to be constantly shelled, a lot of people are going to be killed and maimed by the violence that's occurring there. It's Once again, war is not sustainable. This has to end at some point. Zelensky also has said that uh, there will be no peace talks unless uh, war crimes trials can be held uh, with them. Well, so at least that is a discussion of the possibility of negotiation. This is news.